Hey everyone, it's Pilla here and you're listening to the No Approval Podcast. This week we're doing a bit of a deep dive and it was inspired by my friends because we were out having a roast on Sunday as you do. And we got chatting about like our uni days. So every time there was like a night out and we needed to get an outfit or, you know, when student loan just dropped and that's, you just went and spent all your money on things that you didn't need. But, you know, having that much money in your account when you have no financial literacy makes you make very bad decisions. And that's what we used to do, right? Everyone used to do it. We've all been there. And we were just talking about like, when those days happened, it was like our meetup spot was Oxford Circus, Oxford Street. And there was always the same place we would meet. And that was Topshop in Oxford Street. And it just got us thinking like, wow, we used to love Topshop. That shop has so many memories for me and also just like memories with me and my friends meeting up, going shopping, spending money. And it just really got me thinking like, what happened to Topshop? What happened? And I know all my millennials can relate to this because it was such a huge part of like our childhood, right? And now it's just gone. It's just vanished. So today we're going to be looking at the rise and fall of Topshop that holds so many fond memories for not just me and my friends, but maybe you if we're around the same age. First of all, we all know it as Topshop, but it was actually initially a brand extension of a department store that was called Peter Robinson. So in terms of size and build, we could compare that now to something like Debenhams or House of Fraser, or dare I say Selfridges. And when it initially launched way back in the 60s, It was called Peter Robinson's Topshop. And even though it had a different name, the basis of the store that we all grew to love was the same. It was a youth-focused brand that championed young British designers. They eventually dropped Peter Robinson from the name when the parent company, which is Burton Group, and I think we're all pretty familiar with Burton Group, they decided to split the store into two different chains. So one shop was going to be called Peter Robinson, and the strategy for that was designs aimed at an audience over 25 whilst Topshop was a different store now and it was going to be aimed for under 25s and I'm sure you can guess what happened because I definitely had never heard of Peter Robinson before researching for this episode one brand thrived and the other struggled and eventually died off that's why a lot of us have never heard of it Topshop thrived so much that the flagship store The one that I mentioned in the intro, the Oxford Circus one, which covered five different floors, had an average of over 28,000 customers per day. Five floors of great clothes. If you know, right, it's like you would go in and it was the main floor. Then next door, they had like Miss Selfridges. Then you would go down for like the denim. That's where you'd get the infamous sales rack. And then if you went down another floor, they had like a cafe. They had a lot of boutique stores like House of CB. Ah, just so many good memories. And also they had like changing rooms on different floors. Good, good memories. Honestly, you had to be there. Now, when we think about the rise of Topshop, 
It was growing so much that in the early 2000s, it was making over 100 million per year after the two brands split into two. Now, that is a lot of money for a relatively new brand. Actually, um, who am I kidding? That is a lot of money regardless, right? It became a key sponsor for London Fashion Week. It was sponsoring their new gen arm that was all about supporting emerging British designers, which was very on brand for Topshop because that was the key ethos when it first started. They even did a deal with Kate Moss, a legendary South London model. I always have to remind people that, yeah, she's from Croydon, one of Croydon's finest exports. And she designed her first collection for the brand. Now that is a big deal. So not only are they growing on their own, now they have like these celebrity endorsements, which is probably what you would say modern day is similar to like an influencer deal. So before the influencers, you know, the models were killing it. They were taking all the brand deals, all the endorsement deals. And also one of their biggest deals was with Queen Bee herself, Beyonce. When she launched Ivy Park, Ivy Park was sold through Topshop. And at its peak, Topshop had over 510 stores internationally. I'm talking America, Australia, France, South Africa, and many, many more. Now, when we think about Topshop, there is one name that always springs to mind. Philip Green. Did go through 150 million. At just 12 years old, his father died. This meant he eventually had to drop out of school and work for a shoe importer to gain experience. He learned the tricks of the trade and at just 21 years old, he began his first business. He started looking for companies that went bankrupt and then buying their stock and then turning it over for a profit. You either are or you are. Go and pick that up off the rail. Buy 50,000 of that. After many years of doing his business, he began to expand and he opened and brought many brands on the highest street. So Philip Green was undoubtedly the king of the British high street. But how did that happen? He was a stand-up man. Controversial, but he bounced back after every single failure he had, which eventually led him to the position of being part of Topshop. So what happens is he's actually a director of the Tavetta Limited Investments and Tavetta is the parent company for Arcadia Group. Now, anyone who is anyone who ever shopped in Oxford Circus knows about Arcadia Group. They had all of the stores. They were the parent company for Topshop, Topman, Burton, Dorothy Perkins, Evans, Miss Selfridge, Outfit, Wallace. You name them, Arcadia owned them. Now, what was really interesting actually is that Philip was the chairman of Arcadia, which run all of these stores. But his wife, Tina Green, was actually the owner of the investment company, Tavetta Investments, that owned the Arcadia Group, which they purchased back in 2002 for between 770 million to 850 million. Now, a lot of people say that allegedly Tina is the official owner for tax purposes because she lives in Monaco, which is known to be a tax haven where you do not have to pay tax. And a fun fact for you, back in 2005, Tina got a dividend of 1.2 billion from Arcadia, which was the largest dividend in British corporate history. That is insane. And the main thing about that is she paid no tax to the British government. So people who operate like that, you know you're dealing with like very serious business people. They know the loopholes 
and they make it work for them, their family and their lifestyle. Business was booming, but as they say, everything that glitters isn't gold because there was definitely a bit of trouble brewing behind the scenes. As with any business, right? But the most kind of like notable ones that Topshop had was first of all, they started getting a lot of people protesting against them, people campaigning against them. There was one by People on Planet in 2007 where they were saying that allegedly Topshop was using cotton picked by slave labor. And then, of course, in 2013, Rihanna sued and won to prevent Topshop from selling a T-shirt that had her face on it. Now, this was the era where celeb faces on T-shirts was the thing. I remember I had a Grace Jones one, which was actually from Topshop as well. It was black and then Grace Jones was silver. I loved that T-shirt so much. But if you know Rihanna, you know she doesn't play when it comes to her brand and especially her money. But the real trouble started in 2019 when Arcadia started like closing down some Topshop stores. And obviously, if you were a regular at their flagship store, you wouldn't have noticed this. But remember, I said they had 510 stores in the early 2000s. By then, it has grown to multiple numbers. But they slowly had to start closing different stores. That was the first sign of real trouble. And of course, they had to report it. The press was all over it. And of course, there was various other scandals that happened across the years. Store chain BHS, which employs 11,000, went into administration today. This has caused some consternation because Sir Philip Green, the street-fighting boss of the Arcadia Group, sold BHS for just one pound a year ago. That's a small sum. The other numbers in this story are much bigger. BHS's final salary pension scheme has a 570 million deficit if your measure is the cost of covering liabilities with insurers. Their ongoing cost is more like £300 million. Well, critics accuse Sir Philip of milking BHS since his family bought it in 2000. What happened next to Topshop definitely shook up the retail industry. And I think nobody saw it coming. So on November 30th, 2020, they officially announced that Arcadia had fallen into administration. But what exactly does it mean when a business like Arcadia files for bankruptcy? Bankruptcy is when a company cannot pay its liabilities and therefore they have more debt than they have earnings or cash on their balance sheet. That causes them to go bankrupt. Perfect example is when Topshop was acquired by Essos because of the liabilities that they had. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of this right now in the UK market with the current bleak recession. So therefore, we will see a lot more bankruptcies, not only on the larger scale like the Topshops, but also on the smaller scale in terms of the small business enterprises. Usually when a company goes bankrupt, they have to go into a voluntary insolvency process that therefore a, a, a insolvent practitioner will come in and take over the company's liabilities and see what they have that they have they have to pay to creditors and also what there is available on the balance sheet. Once all of this is evened out, the creditors from the highest will be paid out and then the company will start winding down. That means there will be no trading involved for that particular company. Usually when a company goes bankrupt, the creditors cannot come after them anymore. One reason is because they're no longer trading. 
have an insolvency practitioner that is handling their liabilities that they have on their balance sheet. So it's very important to understand that you cannot, as a company owner, and if you file bankruptcy, you do not require to have legal responsibilities and disputes because of the fact that you've wind down. Now, how does a brand as big and as successful as Arcadia have such a fall from grace? They had all the hottest brands, not just Topshop, which was focused obviously on the younger generation, but they had brands such as Dorothy Perkins, which was for the older generation. So you were an intergenerational brand, had the biggest brands, had the biggest stores in London and across the UK. What went wrong? The Arcadia Group that has the likes of Miss Selfridges, Dorothy Perkins and Topshop has shed half of its value, bringing it down from 800 million to 400 million. The company collapsed on Monday and there are reports that different people are looking to buy different chunks of the group. Really sadly, this means potential job losses for nearly 13,000 people. Devastating blow to the high street, devastating blow to people who rely on these jobs. The collapse was largely attributed to an underinvestment in the brands going online. Sadly, this is a classic case of innovate or die. So number one, of course, the pandemic. Shops had to close by force because, you know, we had to think about our health, we had to think about our life. It wasn't safe for us to go shopping. And everyone instantly turned to online shopping. But one thing that just gets me is how can a brand or a shop as big as Topshop not survive, but all of the candy shops on Oxford Street are still thriving till this day? That is definitely a conversation and a deep dive for another day. But for now, let's just focus on Arcadia and Topshop. Their main business relied on sales that were made in store. And without the footfall, they just couldn't make those sales. So that must have been such a huge knock on their revenue and their profits. Now, you might be thinking like, why didn't people just buy on their website? Well, Topshop was a late adopter to the online game and we have spoken before about the negatives of fast fashion. If you want to hear that, go back to my episode with Bianca from Sustainably Influenced, where she breaks down the negative effects of fast fashion. And if you remember from that episode, she was saying that the new wave of fast fashion brands are producing tens of thousands of new designs a week. And the reality of the situation is that Topshop couldn't compete with those. And even though they're bad for the planet, one thing fast fashion brands online are really good at is social media. Like they kill their social media strategies. Brands such as PLT, brands such as Boohoo, all part of the same family that are very good at social media. Literally, you can go on any one of their pages and you instantly know who they target. They talk just like their customers which means that where people are going out less and online more, they are drawing more to the brands that are catering to them, that talk like them. It's all about relatability and also the ease of the next day shipping. Topshop just really couldn't compete with the savvy strategies. They were moving like dinosaurs when it came to social media. And what happened to dinosaurs? They became extinct. They couldn't compete with the new wave of fast fashion retailers that had emerged before the pandemic, but really thrived during the pandemic. Another reason as well is good CEOs are not always good managers. 
I will never forget, like I once watched a talk by Richard Branson and he was saying that if you're an entrepreneur or a business person, you should always hire people better than you. That's how you ensure that your business continues to grow. Now, CEOs and founders that are not like that become the biggest problem in their business. And I say this because a lot of what is at play is ego. And if you do not have the right skills, even if it's your company, and even if you started it, or even if you have the bright ideas, you do not have the skill to execute it correctly. Like bless Philip Green, great businessman, but can he relate to the young people that are buying his brand? I think not. Therefore, it's very important to put the right people in place. And there is a documentary on BBC iPlayer that's called Trouble at Topshop. And it states that Philip had a very controversial management style. A lot of his former employees described it as a toxic workplace. They had toxic encounters. And the woman that was actually held at really turning around Topshop when it parted ways with Peter Robinson was she had to leave because she was like, I could no longer work with this man. So she resigned. And if all your good people leave and your ego is so big that you think you can continue without them or without hiring people as good as them, your company is going to fail. And that's exactly what happened. Of course, the official line when they went into administration was that they couldn't survive the pandemic. But it is clear that this was brewing for a very long time time. Now, even though Topshop as we knew it might be over, it actually still exists today as an online brand as ASOS came to save the day. But I have to be honest, it's just never been the same since it went online. I hope you enjoyed my trip down memory lane, looking at the rise of one of my favourite stores and unfortunately the eventual fall of it too. I'll be back next week with a new episode. I shall see you then. Bye!